I have a question for you. How much money would you need to be happy for the rest of your life? You have an answer to that? I mean, how much money would you need to be happy for the rest of your life? Some people dedicate their entire careers, their entire like livelihood in helping people answer this question. Retirement funds, 401ks, savings, how to get your kid through college, how to retire comfortably, investing, hoping, praying that the dollar amount that you came up with to this question is enough. Now, there's a famous story about a guy named John D. Rockefeller. If you aren't familiar with who this guy is, he's an Ohio native, he's a Midwesterner, and he started a company called Standard Oil. Now, Rockefeller was, early on in like the 1900s, the richest man in the world. He was also the first ever American billionaire and is still considered kind of, when you look at percentage of the amount that he he had of the entire world's wealth, the richest person in modern society. So, Rockefeller, rich guy. And one time, a reporter asked him, hey, John D. Rockefeller, how much money is enough And Rockefeller responded, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Can you relate? I think when it comes down to it, that's kind of my answer to the question, maybe a little bit. You know, how much money do I need to be happy for the rest of my life? Just a a little, any bitty bit more. Right? Now, this is the last week of our series called Life is Complicated, Get It Right. And we've been in the book of Proverbs talking about God's wisdom and how it helps us know kind of what is right and then live our lives accordingly to what would honor God. Now, talking about money in church is not on my bucket list. You're not going to find it on there. I did not get up this morning like, let's go, woo, was not excited about it. Here's why, because money could kind of be an awkward subject and churches are often accused of only caring about money. And I get it. It's easy to feel like there's a self-serving purpose to me standing up here on this stage talking about money, right? So I want to say plain and clear at the beginning of our time together today, here's why I think it's just vitally important to talk about God's view of money. Here it is. Here's why. Money makes the same promises God does. Money makes the same promises God does. You ever thought about that? This is how we approach money. We think money provides for us. Make it work for you. Have you ever heard that phrase? I mean, money makes us happy. It gives us security, provides peace of mind, helps us get through the hard times, keeps us safe, helps us be healthy. It provides for us. It saves us. I could say the same thing about God. God provides, God gives joy, security, peace, helps in hard times, gives safety, gives us health saves us money, makes the same promises that God does. This is the fundamental reason it's so important for us to talk about this, because we start to believe these promises. And I can honestly say that money impacts the lives of every single person. Listen to the words come out of my mouth. Every single one of us is impacted by the view that we have of money. And sometimes we falsely believe that God cares about all of this other stuff. God cares about our wants, but not about our wallets. The reason God cares about money is because it impacts us. It impacts us as people. And he knows 
that money doesn't live up to the promises. It doesn't provide as well as God can. But we think it can. So today, we're going to talk about money unapologetically because God cares about it so much. So we care about it so much. God thinks it matters in our lives and the way we view it matters. So we think that too. And as I read over the past couple of months through the book of Proverbs, through the Ridge Reading Challenge, that's just a couple of verses or a chapter of the Bible a day. I was reading through the Ridge Reading Challenge and money comes up in the book of Proverbs over and over and over again. Why? Because it matters. So today we're going to kind of talk through the principles in the book of Proverbs about money, calling it the four don'ts and do's of managing money. Here's the first one. Don't and do. Don't trust in money. Man, we do this, don't we? In the almighty dollar we trust. We trust in money. We, we kind of secretly agree with Rockefeller. If we can just get, just get a little bit more, then, then I'll be generous. If I can just have a little bit more, then I'll be happy. If I can just get a little bit more, then we'll do what God wants us to do. Money is vital. It's a huge deal. It impacts us every day, but it's not what we can place our trust in. Placing trust in anything other than God is, is just idolatry. That's the kind of fancy church word for it. But placing trust in anything other than God and his provision and Jesus is just, is just idolatry. It's putting something else first, and it's not wise. And when it comes to money, there's no right and wrong. It's actually a neutral thing. Money is amoral. It comes and it goes. It's fickle. This is what Proverbs says about it. This is Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. Have you heard the term easy come, easy go? It's talking about money. We all need it. Some of us have more than enough of it. Some of us are barely scraping by with it. But if we start seeing money for what it really is, neutral, but something that is acting like we can trust in it, it's dangerous. We act like it's our savior, like it'll save us, but it won't. We're healthier when we put God in the chair. We trust God. We approach money as a neutral thing that God can use in our lives. This is Proverbs 23, 5. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Like, ah! like there it goes. It's like a, like a kid, you know, seeing like the balloon fly away. You're like, no, that's kind of what our relationship with money can be. You think you can control it? Mm, maybe not. And here's the thing, money, money doesn't care about us. Money doesn't care about you. Sorry. It doesn't love us. It doesn't have feelings. Whereas God, God loves us so much that he sacrifices for us. When's the last time money's done that for you? Don't trust in money. Don't put our faith in money. Don't pretend that money can do all of these things for us. Do put God first. And yeah, and everything, but today we're talking about money. So put God first in your finances. If we see our finances as something that, hey, God does indeed care about, he does have control over, and he does want us to put our trust in him. It helps us stop trusting in money, doesn't care about us in the first place, and start trusting in God who cares about us more than we can possibly imagine. Don't trust in money, put God first. This is Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It's what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Put God first. 
Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, this is a verse that is easy to misunderstand. Remember, Proverbs is about probabilities, not promises. And we read this and we go, give God and then he will give you grain and wine. That's what we think. And here's why I don't think that that is true. There are people, you know them, that have money that don't honor the Lord with their wealth, right? And there are people who don't have a lot of money who do honor the Lord with their wealth. This verse is saying, look, if we honor God with our wealth, he will bless us. But bless doesn't mean what we think it means. Bless doesn't equal money. We think it does. Bless doesn't equal success. We think it does. God blessing us equals God's favor. Can it mean money and blessing? Sure. But is it more than that? You bet. God's favor is love and joy and peace and hope. That's what it is. Now, putting God first is the reason that me and my family give more than a tithe. That's 10% of our income. And it's not because we're more spiritual and mature. Trust me. And it's not because we're more financially minded or we figured that all out or any of that. No. To my knowledge, we do not have barns filled with grain. I don't think that that's a thing in our lives. Abby might be hiding it. I don't think we have vats of wine. I don't think any of that is true for us. That's not our kind of financial plan. But we do think it's important to put God first. And I will also say, I do think that he blesses us because of that. Just not in the way we think. See, it's important to put God first, especially in the areas where we're tempted to put something else first, like money. So the point here, God is worth the best that we've got. And because of his love and his kindness and his grace and his provision, he provides for us, all come from him anyway, we trust him. So don't trust in money. Do put your trust in God first. That's kind of the foundational principle in the book of Proverbs about money. So let's build on that. Here's the second don't and do combo. Don't be greedy. Do be content. We all want to be content, right? Nobody wants to be greedy except when we do. Why do we desire more money? Have you ever asked that question? Why? Why do, we, why do we care so much about it? I think one of the reasons we care about money so much is we want more, so we don't want more. Isn't that weird? We want more, so we don't have to want more anymore. Follow me? Have you ever met somebody who is just set financially? They have it all figured out. They could retire right now, today, and they still can't stop worrying about money. Just a little bit more. Richest guy in the world. Just a little bit more. Proverbs 37 through 9. This is what it says. Oh God, I beg two favors from you. What would you beg God for? Check this out. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who's the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. This is intense. How many times, how many times has that been my posture in life? Uh, zip, zero, zilch. Nada, nothing, never. I have never, before I read this verse, I have never prayed, hey, give me neither poverty nor riches. Never prayed that. Don't give me too much so I still need you, but give me enough so that I can be honest and bring you honor. You ever prayed that? Don't give me too much. 
Just enough. Just a little bit less. Whew. Wow. Here's another way of asking that. Do you care more about what you want or what God wants you to want? That's a great kind of series of questions to start identifying greed in your life. What do you care the most about? What you want? We call it need sometimes. I don't know if it's always a need, but what, what do you care about? What you want or what God wants you to want? Don't be greedy. Be content. Neither poverty nor riches. Just right somewhere in the neutral middle. doesn't matter because we find the value in God instead. Don't be greedy. Be content. All right, let's keep building. Okay, number three. Don't be ruled by debt. Debt is such a big deal to us in our society that we have something called a credit score. We score it like it's a game. We don't have a kindness score. We don't have a, am I a loving person score? In my house, we do have a, did you stay in your big girl bed score? It's called a sticker chart. We have that. If we kept track of that for me, like, did I stay in my big boy bed? I'd be crushing it. But debt is super, super important. So important that we keep track of it for everybody. And I know People have mixed feelings about it. We don't always know how to, how to navigate it. So here's what Proverbs says. This is Proverbs 22.7. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. What does that mean? Debt can rule us. That's what that means. Debt can rule us. It can control us. Now, I know the last 12 months have been really difficult for a lot of us financially. I get that. And at times we need help. But hear this proverb kind of with the intent behind it. Often what makes situations difficult for us are bad decisions that we make with debt. See, the more we owe, the more difficult it will be. That's what this is saying, that it controls us. So don't be ruled by debt. Do have a plan. So if you don't have a budget, I think that's a great place to start, have a budget. But I would ask you, what is your plan not to retire What's your plan to honor God with what he's given you? Ooh, that's a little different. This is Proverbs 13.11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. So to have a plan, I'd encourage you just start with hard work. It is hard work to have a plan. It's hard work to do without. It's hard work to stick with a budget. It's hard work when everybody else gets something and you're like, I want the cheeseburger, but I can't get the cheeseburger. It's not in the budget. That's hard. You're right. So we want to help. If you want help kind of thinking about your financial world, creating a financial plan, just your next step in that area, here's what you can do. You can text the word plan to 812-408-1188. Here's my promise. We're not going to sell your information. We're not going to try to sell you like GameStop stock or anything like that. We're not going to talk to you about a car warranty. None of that. Okay? It's completely safe, confidential, no strings attached. But what we're going to do is we're just going to talk to you about what is your next step in your plan. That's what we're going to try to do. Just come alongside you and help you create a plan. So if you're struggling, I encourage you to do it. Do it right now. Somebody will reach out to you and we'll just kind of walk you through this. Text the word plan to 812-408-1188. You're not alone. This is important. So have a plan. Okay, here's the last don't and do. Here we go. Number four, don't be stingy. Do be generous. Nobody calls themselves stingy, right? 
We, we make this assumption, though, that everything we have, think about everything that you have, money, car, house, job, family, talents, opportunities, whatever, all your stuff, everything you have, we make this assumption that everything we have, we earned. We do. We think that we earn it and deserve it. We think it meets our needs. What does that lead to? Mine, 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 mine. I worked it. I earned it. It's mine. Don't be stingy. Be generous. See, we're trusting God with our money, not ourselves. But the mine, 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 mine mentality focuses right back on what we want, what we need, what we think, our feelings. It's ours, mine, mine. Don't be stingy, be generous. This is Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. That's not necessarily just talking about money. That's talking about wealth and life. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Well, that's counterintuitive. See, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You know, I've noticed something. Everybody thinks they're generous. You ever notice that? We think we're Bob Cratchit in the story. We don't think we're Ebenezer Scrooge. We're not saying bah humbug. We say things, I help out a friend. I give the extra dollar when I go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. Like, I'm super generous. But our actions, our heart, our heart. That's what idolatry is about, where our heart is focused. Our heart is focused on the promise of money sometimes, isn't it? Not the promise of God. It's mine. It's mine. I'll do it when I feel like it. I'll do it when I get there. I'll do it when the plan works out. It's mine. How do we fight that selfish approach? How do we place our trust in God, like actually live it out? Generosity. It's right there in the verse. Generosity. And we go, yeah, you can't take it with you. And then we proceed to try to take it with us. You ever notice that? Have you ever heard, money can't buy you happiness? And then we're like, well, I could buy a boat, right? How can we actually be generous? How can we actually change our heart's posture and point it towards God? And you're like, I knew it. I knew he was going to tell me to give to the ridge. I knew it. Here's my response. Look, I think this is so important. I think our heart's posture of generosity is such a big deal that I want you to hear me say this. This isn't about greed, so don't give to the ridge. If that's how you feel, don't give to the ridge. This isn't what it's about. It's about your relationship with Jesus, your heart, where you place your trust with everything you've got. It's that important. This is what we're talking about. It's all God's anyway, whether we think it is or not. So how we trust God and put our trust in God, that's a huge deal to our relationships. So how do we go about doing this? How do we have a generous heart? Well, three Ps in a pod, the three Ps of generosity. P number one, priority giving. So generosity won't happen in your life until you prioritize it. That's all it's saying. If you feel rich, if you feel poor, if you feel like you can, if you feel like you can't, nope, prioritize giving. Generosity actually isn't dependent on your financial world. It's not. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank account. It's a heart's posture. It's the way you view it. So prioritize it. Just say, hey, I am going to prioritize giving. Here's number two, second P, percentage giving. I found out this week, this is fascinating to me. I found out this week that the more income somebody has, the less they give away. Not more, the less. 
percentage-wise. The more extra money we get, the less it looks like extra to us. See, we trick ourselves, and we look at the dollar amount, not the percentage, and we go, I'm incredibly generous. Here's what I mean. Here's kind of a, a thought problem for us. Heard of Elon Musk, Tesla guy? Elon Musk is one of the richest people in the world. He's worth $188 billion, billion with a B, $188 billion. If he was walking down the street in Columbus and he gave you $15,000, what would you do? What would you say other than why are you in Columbus and why did you give me $15,000? Once you got past that, because I'm kind of suspicious if somebody just handed me that. Like, but once you got past that, you'd go, hey, $15,000, that's awesome, but is it generous? Here's why. We look at $15,000, we go, that's a lot of money. This is how much money it is to him. Point zero 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 one percent of his wealth. Point zero 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 one percent of his wealth. Is that generous to him? I don't know. Here's, here's the point. Percentage giving forces us. It really is like a discipline to help us keep our heart pointed towards Jesus. See, the percentage matters more than the sum. It's just like a discipline. It's the heart of generosity. So I'd encourage you, just start somewhere. Even if it's 0.00001%, give. Prioritize it. It's your next step. Percentage it. The Bible talks about a tenth, a tithe. You might have heard that before. But really, my encouragement is to make sure that your heart is right when it comes to generosity. Priority giving, percentage giving, last P in the pod, progressive giving. So Andy Stanley says it kind of like this. Andy Stanley is a pastor in Georgia. He says it like this. God encourages generosity not because he wants our money, but because he doesn't want our money to have us. See, everything that's mine, everything that's yours, actually belongs to God, comes from God, is given by God, and God knows it. Progressive giving is progressively giving more and more and more of ourselves, including our money, to God. It's surrendering all of it because it's all his in the first place. See, God God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need a certain percentage. It's about our heart. See, God is a giver, not a taker. By calling us to be generous, he's wanting to give us something, not take it away. He wants us to have that peace and that hope and that joy, to have that wealthy, blessed, favored life, but not financially, spiritually. And to top it all off, as if he hasn't given us everything in the first place, he gives us Jesus. See, we're generous because of Jesus. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus. What does that have to do with money? Everything. See, he sent his son to die on the cross for where we fall short, including for when we put idols, other things in his place. Money. Why does he do that? Because of how valuable we are to him. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't care how rich we are. He cares about money because he cares about us and we care about it. And he knows that it's better for him to provide for us anyway. We think money makes the same promises, but it doesn't follow through. God does. And he proved it once and for all through Jesus. Money has everything to do with our relationship with Jesus. It's our opportunity to put our money where our faith is. It's not get rich scheme. It's not so I'll get more blessings. It's not a me, 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 me thing. It's because God loves us so much. He wants to give us peace and hope and that eternal mindset. So because of Jesus and what he's done in your life, 
What's it look like for you to be generous? I'm going to ask the same question that I asked at the beginning. How much money would you need to be happy for the rest of your life? How would you answer the question now? Maybe it's the same answer. Maybe it's different. But where's your heart when you read this, when you think about this, when you answer this? Because of Jesus, how much money would you need to be happy for the rest of your life? My desire is that my answer moves from John D. Rockefeller a little bit more, just a little bit more to God. It's all yours anyway, so a little bit less. How much money would you need to be happy for the rest of your life? Your answer to that question is a huge deal. What's your answer? I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder that it all comes from you anyway, that you are, you are our provision. You are our provider. It all comes from you. Whether we see it that way or not, whether we act like that way or not, whether we give it back to you or not, that you are the one who provides for us, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross because we're that valuable to you. So today, or this week, as we kind of walk through this week, and as we go back to spending and thinking and talking and saving and worrying about money, help us, remind us this week that it's all yours anyway. And help us to really live out kind of that prayer of, no, don't give me more than I need. Don't give me less than you want me to have. I just want to honor you. So thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for that reminder. Thank you for Jesus and the cross and the price that you paid because of your love for us. It's because of Jesus that we pray today. Amen.